Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Welcome to another edition of Aim Higher. Today, we're gonna be talking about feedback, leadership feedback, how to give feedback, all things feedback, whether it's performance reviews or just generalized feedback. Giving great feedback is a critical leadership skill because employees depend on it. It makes a difference in your culture, it makes a difference in the employee, it makes a difference in performance, and it certainly makes a difference in the future of the entire organization if feedback is given in the very, very best way. One statistic I read said that 65% of employees want more feedback on their work, and yet it seems like it's difficult to get. Feedback should matter. Feedback should make us all better. Why is it that there's so few examples of a manager who told us something that inspired us? We don't usually think about those or made us perform better or helped us better at our jobs. Instead, when we think about feedback, we usually think about the negative. We think about how we were demotivated. Is it because we're hardwired to think about that one critical piece and we forget the 98% of the good things? Or is it because, in fact, most feedback is negative? So we're going to start there with an expert panel talking about feedback, a group that's not new to me, but we have one new voice here. So we're going to welcome our new voice, Bart Murphy, who's an executive, all things we'll call technology, but everyone here in this room is really general management and representing entire organizations, but he is a technology guru of the highest order. So welcome, Bart Murphy. Uh, thank you, and I'm happy to be here. Bart's also a, I don't know what to call you, but you are a superb wrestler in your history. So one of the reasons I like having Bart around is because whenever we're frequently attacked by the mobs of aim higher uh, fans who are constantly uh, looking <laughs> to uh, talk to us and the paparazzi, we know that Bart will wrestle them away and save us. So we're also deeply appreciative that you're playing both of those roles today, Bart. Thank you for that, too. Very kind. Very kind of you. And we have Drew Bordas. Drew is brand new to the Aim Higher podcast. Never been here before, or maybe not, but he's all things operations and uh, Georgia Tech football, which he clings to proudly. It's basketball but season now. Doing well. Doing well. Yep, okay. Doing well. Much to our surprise. Thank you for having me. Well, I never knew that you actually shifted to basketball. When, you, when they're you never, okay. You never talk about it. It's been, there's been nothing to talk about for a while. It's because football is such a sad thing for oh, him. Stop. When you say nothing to ever talk about for a while, do you mean the entire history or? Stop. No, we'll leave it at Two that. Two Final Fours. Come on. Come on. And we have Tammy Spade, who is people, purpose, and place expertise. And again, all three of you also bring general management experience. Well, we're talking about feedback. So welcome, Tammy, Drew, Bart. Welcome, Tammy. Especially. Thank you. Good Thank to have you, you especially. back. Yes. Why Pleased Tammy to be here. especially? Pleased to be here. Because she's closest to me, so okay. she can kick me. <laughs> uh, although we are socially distanced. Yes, so yes, we are. she probably would have to run over here. So with that, we are going to talk about all things feedback, leadership and feedback. It's not something that's usually taught. You don't have an MBA class on it. You don't think about it in college. Usually, even when you join a company, even a large company, they don't talk about feedback. Now, you may have a session on the performance review, and we'll talk a little bit about the performance review. Tends to be, my experience, more legally focused about what you can and cannot say, but not really how to get the best out of, of people and how to deliver that feedback. 
So let's talk about that. I referenced in my opening comments feedback and the fact that most feedback seems to be negative. We don't think about the manager that inspired us and caused us to change the trajectory of our career or just made us perform better the next day. We don't think about those feedback sessions where we leave with an extra bounce in our step, and yet shouldn't that be part of the goal of a good feedback session? So why is that? Why do you think that is that there's so few examples of the positive before we get into anything else? What would you say, panel? Uh, I, I agree with what you said in the opening of I'm not sure it's that most feedback is negative. I think our focus goes to the negative. And, and we see that, you know, I'm guilty of it. Um, it could be um, sometimes we'll send out a survey after a big division meeting or a town hall meeting of, you know, what went well, what'd you like? And, you know, we'll get 80% saying wonderful things. And then two people who you're like, who said that? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I didn't do that. That's terrible. And then you focus on that one thing. And uh, so I think, I don't know if it's everybody that does that, but that's kind of the tendency I feel like is you focus on the negative. Yeah. You know, when you think about the statement that someone might say, I'd like to give you some feedback. What is your first response? Your first response isn't yeah. usually, oh, this is going to be good. Your first response is, oh, no, what you know, what what's going on? So I think we've done something to give it a bad name. But I do think that giving feedback that might be considered negative is something that could be stressful for people. And so it feels like we're storing it all up and maybe waiting to share it rather than a constant just conversation about how things are going. And I think it really goes back to what type of relationship you have with that individual you're providing feedback. Now, in a general sense, a survey may focus on that. And it's really less personal than what I would consider to be valid feedback. And most of the feedback that I've ever gotten in my life that is inspirational is because I have a really strong relationship with that individual, whether it be in sports and a coach who's going to be hard on you, but they're going to be honest with you and tell you where you're lacking, where you're not you know, putting your best effort in. And, and really deep down, you know that as well. But that comes from, I think, a built-up relationship. And the same thing, I think, happens in, in at work. The better the relationship you have, the more consistent way that you understand how they work, how they tick, what buttons to push. Even as a leader, you have to be aware of those things. And you do need to push those buttons at times. You can't overdo it. But understanding that relationship, understanding how people absorb that feedback over time and adjusting your ways to be more effective for each individual, I think is part of that coaching element that occurs at leadership. I think that's excellent, that point of linking feedback with relationships. Because so often, Bart, I think we divorce those two things. And yet the stronger the relationship, the stronger the feedback will be received. So I, th I think that's excellent. Let's talk a little bit about feedback and culture, that other link. How, how does feedback link to culture in an organization? And is a great feedback culture or a culture where every manager is giving feedback in a superb way, does that impact culture? I, I think it does. I think that if it's a continual thing that you are building people up or really helping them with their skills in a genuine way, it makes a difference. But I'm curious, have you ever thought about the link between feedback and culture? I think it's a direct link. I think what you'll hear from, uh, you know, one, I talk to people from all different companies. And typically when they talk about their experience at that company, it's the relationship with the manager or what they hear about other people's relationship with managers directly related to 
How well are they being supported? How are they meeting their goals? How well they understand the strategic plan? So I think it's directly related. I think the way you treat your staff and the consistency, not that every manager is going to do it the same, but you start to hear about the managers that don't do it in the way that's aligned with the culture and values of Mm -hmm. the company. And typically those people are called out by the employees, are known. Then it becomes how well do you manage that as an organization? Because if you don't and you let it fester, then they start to say, well, are they really invested in the culture or not? So, you know, there's a pro and con to that, but I think it is directly linked. I think it's an honesty factor too. Authentic, honest, transparent. When feedback um, and conversation happens with honesty, then you're a better performing organization. You can sit together and talk about what went well, what didn't go well in a particular project. Um, you can talk about what you need to do strategically. You know, in a culture that that we work in, speed, accountability, execution, inclusion and diversity are very important. And so you would expect that a lot of the conversation should center around those items too. And they should support what the culture has said are high values. What's the behavior reinforcement, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's, you know, time after time after time after time. Are you just getting negative feedback? Are you, every meeting you go to, is it, hey, you could have done this a little better. Um, that, That will fester in the culture. So really having a balance I think makes everything, you know, just run better. Right. And there's the saying in the survey that said that most people leave bad bosses, not the organization. And I mm-hmm. think that that is also known. One of the blind spots in many organizations is it may be well known among the employee base that this particular manager gives negative feedback or is very hostile. But many times they may manage up very well, and that may be a blind spot to their boss. So I think it's important that the boss's boss is aware of the feedback that they're getting in the sessions. Do you agree with that as well? I'm sure you do. I do. And I think it points out the importance of 360-degree feedback, whether it's formally done or less formally done. Tens, you know, the, the people who are reporting versus peers versus a boss have different views of an individual. And it points out the importance of feedback that isn't just up to down, but all around that individual. Really good. I found that to be most enlightening myself. Early in my career, I thought, wow, and I saw a blind spot with peers that I just kind of ignored because I was working with my team and then my boss, and I literally just ignored peers because they were not relevant for me Mm -hmm. to accomplish my goals. And yet you realize over time how very important they are. Well, I want to talk about what makes a good feedback session. And also, I want to think about positive feedback as well. We all crave positive feedback. I mean, nobody goes into a feedback session thinking, I just want the negative. Uh, 67% of employees in a Gallup survey said a manager who is positive in the feedback made them more engaged at work. So it's very important. What makes a good feedback session? Well, many years ago, I wrote nine traits of employee feedback, and I want to just raise those nine uh, very quickly. The first one is continual. And one stat I said that nearly half of the most engaged employees get feedback every single week or nearly every single week. So it's not a once a year event. It is continual. How do the best leaders make sure that happens? Because you're so busy with all the different things that are going on. You have all the demands. You know, HR has tons of paperwork for you to fill out, right, Tammy? Those terrible HR people. <laughs> no, there's all these things going on. <laughs> and yet, how do you make sure that it is continual, that you're engaging with your team on a, a frequent basis in the midst of all these things that are pulling at you? 
you don't have to make an event out of it. I think you can, you know, you don't have to write a book. You don't have to do anything like that. But if you see something, let's, let's focus on the positive first. If you see something that went particularly well, somebody really just knocked out something great, just send them a note and say that that was really terrific. That's all you have to do. But do it timely on the spot. When you saw it, tell them. And that's it. If you do that and build it over time, you don't have to do it every time, but it then becomes part of the culture. Same for the negative. Hey, this could have gone better in this meeting. Let me, let me tell you what I saw or what happened. And do it right after the meeting and then be done with it. I think cadence helps as well. I'm big on having one-on-ones with my team on a consistent basis. Uh, certainly my direct reports and even to your point, Skip, you know, the skip level meetings where you're trying to understand that perception of you that's maybe either from a peer group or from teams uh, uh, deeper down below you. And I think that's important as well, because sometimes there's a misperception of uh, your management style that needs to be, you know, and it could be behaviors that you're uh, doing, certainly that are, are taken the wrong way. But being aware enough of that and asking for that feedback, I think, is uh, the responsibility of a leader to ensure that they're continually staying consistent with the culture and the values. But cadence, I think, helps build that relationship. Carving out time with people, whether it's going to lunch for, you know, I'm not saying it has to be always a one-on-one meeting, but not, you know, oh, I haven't talked to you in a month. I think that is where you start to get into a disjointness that, you know, becomes a little bit less genuine and doesn't give you that opportunity, to your point, Drew, of being timely. Or you only show up when there's a problem. Right? Yeah, or yeah, yeah I'm yeah. showing up and I'm, or I'm sitting in a meeting only to try to address an issue. I think a lot of people have the fear of managing through bad behavior and they try to avoid it. And for one reason or another, it's uncomfortable. Being able to address that honestly and quickly is, I think I've always found it to be well received by people as opposed to waiting, waiting, getting HR involved, going through some form. You know, at that point, it's almost too late. They hold some level of resentment because they feel that they weren't given an opportunity. I find most people can self-correct. There's very few minor percentage that don't. With good feedback, honest feedback, people do want to change their behaviors. They do want to understand they had a bad day or at least communicate that. They do want to go back and potentially apologize to people, but sometimes they need to be pushed to do that. And they're justified in their feelings. If you're waiting. Yes. And you may find out something you didn't even know about that person by having that conversation, which goes back to that building a relationship. I I think continual can't be Mm overemphasized. And and you both, um, Bart and Drew, have mentioned it. But people are very, very upset when they get feedback that seems to have been piled up over a period of time and didn't have a chance to correct it. But I do think that continual feedback, positive and negative, just can happen in the normal course of work. It can happen through one-on-ones and that cadence. It can happen through project reviews. It can happen through just a quick check-in on a question. It doesn't have to be, as you said, Drew, an event. It's something that you can just weave into the normal course of work. So the next two, I'll cover them together, supportive and consistent. So this supportive feedback, how do you give feedback, whether it's negative or positive, that's supportive of the employee instead of paralyzing to the employee? And how is it consistent? And by consistent, I mean that the employee knows what to expect, that you're operating from a set of principles that doesn't change. So what are your tips on delivering that supportive feedback? Because each of us sees things differently, right? So we may think, well, I thought this was supportive. And somebody else may say, you literally just paralyzed me completely (laughs) with your comment. I can't even operate now because of the way you said that. And you're thinking, well, 
that's nothing. I, I was toning it down. So how do you how do you balance that out? I think one of the first things you want to do is get the person talking. We tend to think about feedback as I'm going to give it and you're going to get it versus let's talk about how you think the last quarter went. Let's talk about how you think we accomplished our goals on that project and get them talking. Because many times, as Bart said, people already have a sense of where their superpower is and where they might need to make some pivots. And I think we tend to overfocus on changes that need to be made and not enough on superpowers. I remember very clearly a time when someone said to me, hey, I think your superpower in this team is X. And I literally felt like I walked out of that room walking on air. Oh, it yeah. was so inspiring to me and so motivating. And yes, they you know shared, I'd like to see you do more of this for the benefit of the team. But it really was something that was very inspiring. And that may drive them into a different role. I mean, I've had people that performed poorly in a role that just wasn't the best fit and really wasn't leveraging their superpower, as you mentioned, recognizing that. And certainly you have to then have the opportunity and, and all those things. But you know, sometimes people aren't even positioned well within a team. They're set up for failure. Helping them navigate through that, I think, you know, you find one builds a great relationship. They're very thankful and they're, you know, they're more productive for the company. That's not always the case. It can't always be done, but it certainly happens and it happens more frequently than you would think. And from a consistency perspective, I think where that comes is all your folks talk. If you're treating someone differently than others, and not in the sense of the relationship side and understanding they may be going through something personally that's impacting them, but being consistent on expectations. That can't change amongst your team. In IT, we're constantly asked to do things after hours, on weekends. If that's not being expected across the entire team, then and it's only a, a subset of people, that starts to get out. Uh, so, you know, the expe- even from my expectation, if we have a large outage or I need to be on there, no matter if it's 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. So those expectations need to be consistent and uh, representative of how the leader actually acts and, and performs at that job. That's great. One of the other keys is specific, specific comments. I think it's very meaningless when somebody says, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. You're a great mm-hmm. manager. You're a great yeah. manager. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> or you did really well on this project. Why? What was it? What did I do? It means so much more when you say, I want to tell you, you did this specifically really well. And it also works in different ways. I I send out a lot of notes where an executive may have said, I just want to tell you so-and-so did this, this, and this very specifically. So I'll write and I'll say, so-and-so was bragging about you on this call and specifically cited this, this, and this. And the notes I get back, it makes a measurable difference. Now, usually I don't even copy that executive, but it builds trust with that executive Mm -hmm. because they know that person was advancing them, but it also really reinstills in them. But it's very specific. If it's just general, like I heard on today's call, you're doing a great job. That may be nice. I mean, they they may look at it and smile and think this is, you know, a really nice note, but it doesn't have that powerful impact as the specificity. And I think we've all experienced Well, they that. may interpret it as something you don't even mean also. Like just doing a great job, they may think it was the way they were dressed or the way they spoke or the way – and you actually mean, you know, I really like the way that you put that PowerPoint together. They, they may not think of that at all. I thought you were going to say the way they put the Excel spreadsheet together. You know, because you have a love – I'm feeling a little – Love for a this little spreadsheet. A little accused right now. The feedback isn't positive? No, it's not. 
It's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we've noticed is it's hard to hurt uh, Drew. That's the reason we brought in Bart to wrestle. Yes, physically. Yes. <laughs> it's hard hard to actually hurt Drew. He doesn't really take those in. He ignores them. Just bury it deep, deep down. And he Aww. says, you can't get in the way of my awesomeness. <laughs> I think that's what it is. All right. <laughs> Conversational is another one. Tammy, you referenced this earlier when you said get them talking. I think many times managers approach a feedback session as a blast of hot air coming out of their lungs <laughs> instead of a conversation and that it should be a back and forth because otherwise it really is just a speech. How do you encourage that conversation? It doesn't come naturally to everybody. I know some people have it, have all their points and they're just going. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. How do you encourage conversation? I do it by looking at people like Tammy, right? So for she's really good at driving that conversation and starting it. So to me, I'm not as good at that. I've had to learn over time how to start a conversation, how to potentially get someone to talk, as opposed to just literally trying to get through my points, feeling I'm being authentic and certainly truthful and certainly specific. And I think to be specific too, you have to be engaged. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I try to, to do with my teams is be heavily engaged. You can't be a manager from a pulpit and not be engaged with these projects. One of these things that you need to do is be able to talk deeply about if they're doing it well, you understand the project that they're working on. You understand the technology they're working on, in my example. And you got to be able to talk about specific things that they're doing that you feel are, are right. Then they start to understand that you actually get their world. So I think part of it is putting in the time and the effort for me so that I can have that authentic conversation, which takes extra hours out of my day to go and do. Uh, certainly more than worth the time, and it helps me in many other ways. But I think a lot of people get abstracted in certain organizations the further up they get, and I think that's a disservice to their ability to provide feedback and certainly have that sort of conversational approach because they just don't feel that you can relate to the work they're doing. I don't do that as much, and that's a great learning for me. So maybe we can coach each other a little bit on that is, is getting down into some of those details. I do tend to start with, let's just talk about how you felt about the year or the quarter or X, you know, project, trying to get them talking. What do you feel like um, you're most proud of when you look back at the, at the quarter or the year, whatever it is? What do you feel like you would want to do differently, if anything? You know, you're just beginning that conversation. We even call it a performance conversation. And we have just five basic questions that we encourage managers to use to just get that going. And a lot of that really came from Skip your suggestions, that this be less formal. I think when there's more of a formal process, people tend to focus on the process and filling out the form and checking the boxes. Very true. Rather than, as Bart was saying earlier, that relationship building. It's also the fact that many people are more comfortable with process than substance. Mm. You can get very lost in saying, I know how this works and how the form works and what to fill out, et cetera. And they lose sight of the substance of it instead of the process, which brings us to the next one, which is intentional. Because the process is just that, but intentional means I'm going to be very intentional about what I want to do in this session. What are the takeaways I want this person to walk away with? That's intentional. That requires a lot of preparation versus just walking in and saying, hey, how's it going? And kind of going with the flow or top of mind, 
you know what's on the top of my mind? This last project. And they're like, wait, you're giving me a review for last year and that just happened last week. Well, that's what's top of mind. So that's not intentional. What are you trying to get them to walk away with? And how are you equipping with that? And I, I pair that intentionality with truthfulness. We talked about honesty and authenticity. I call it truthful. A Gallup survey also showed that almost 70% of employees with a positive manager talked about their strengths when they were at work, their superpowers when they were at work. So intentional and truthful. And I link that with positivity because you want to be intentional about what you want them to take away with. You also want to be truthful. Truthful is also a difficult thing because you want to be positive, but you want to be truthful. And there may be things that are difficult. There may be news that isn't all perfect. And so how do you walk away with what's intentional, but also that balance between I'm positive, but I'm realistic. I'm not positive to such a degree that I've done a disservice to you, both in your job and in your career, because I've fluffed it up and put rainbows all over it and stars and five stars and a trophy. When in fact, there were some things that you really hit out of the park, but there were some things that were really missed. And some people just don't feel comfortable doing that. So intentionality and truthfulness. How would you link those together and how do you help? How do leaders do that in an excellent way? I think time is the thing you said in the beginning that really stuck with me on this is to be intentional, you have to put time in. You have to sit down and think about, okay, what what do I want to get across? What behavior do I want to emphasize or minimize? And if you want your feedback to be acted upon or just absorbed even, you know, the person you're talking to is going to know, did you really think this through or is it just the last project I did? So, I mean, the point of feedback is something changes and putting time into it, I think, shows that person, I care about you. This is important to me. You know, let's talk about this. I do think a self-assessment is important to get to. Some, you know, processes and, and organizations use it and some don't. But getting the other person's sense of their view of how they performed, what they're doing well, what they might want to learn or change, sometimes reading that before you think about your intentionality is or is not a good idea. But at some point in the process, I think it's important to get that perspective because it allows you to determine, do I need to hit this you know, fairly hard because they're not seeing what I'm seeing or they already see it and I can just affirm that and ask them how I can support them. Or they see it and they're not documenting it because they don't feel comfortable. So I, I mm. find it to be extremely helpful to read those self-assessments because you get sort of their mindset of how comfortable they are sharing where they think they are in their yeah. performance for the year. And that is telling in and of itself. It can tell you whether they're, especially if you you know and they know there's something to talk about and it's not mentioned, then that's an opportunity to you know have a discussion. I, I noticed you didn't even include it in your self-assessment. Are we not comfortable enough to do that? Do you feel it's something that HR is going to read? Like there's just conversation you can have even as part of that process, which I find very helpful. Yeah. I think uh, it can it can even be a gap in what the manager thinks is important versus what the employee thinks is important. Mm -hmm. Like not even a good bad 100%. thing, but okay. just a, just a, hey, everything you wrote down here that you're so proud of for the year was not even the like most important thing you did. You've never heard that. Yeah, I've heard that directly. <laughs> um, you know, what, Drew, why didn't you put this in there? I don't know. This is fabulous. I don't know. <laughs> Good feedback is also reciprocal. One of the things I always ask in conversations is, how can I better support you? What am I doing 
that your team needs more of or less of, behaviors you want me to stop, start, what's working, what's not, am I too involved, not involved enough, why aren't you inviting me to such and such? You know, I'll, I'll try to engage that because feedback is not top down in an organization. I think good feedback is not top down. It is a wonderful opportunity to have this conversation and be reciprocal. And yet that's often something that's completely overlooked. It's just, this is what I see. This is what I want. Good, bad, move on, et cetera. Instead of using that opportunity in a powerful way. Reciprocity, such an important trait of employee manager feedback. But it is, you, you agree, it's underserved, right? Nobody talks mm -hmm, about that mm -hmm. either. Or how to get at it. Those questions, which I think are really important. The last one is understood. Feedback has to be understood. Now, we all hear things through various filters. We may not be prepared for something that we hear. We might become overly defensive. Good feedback, I think, takes time for clarification. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tell me what you heard me say. Give me an example of what we're discussing. I think that is very important. This Really, you know, just good communication techniques where you check in because oftentimes if you hear one thing, that person's off and running. You know, I know I have sometimes and I'm thinking, you said something, it triggered this, and now I'm over here. You don't understand. Let me explain. And you haven't really kind of gotten that full perspective. So good feedback is understood. I want to park on that for just a second. Anyone want to comment on that? Well, it may not be understood even with that type of questioning during the session, I, I find that in the more difficult conversations that I have, people need time to absorb it. And it's not a day, you know, it's either over the weekend, over a week, and then you have to set up another meeting, get back with them, and then maybe start that type of questioning. Hey, can we have a discussion on, you know, how did you understand that conversation? How did it go? And have it repeated back from that. Because sometimes in the moment, they're just going to shut down. And I've seen it happen. I'm sure you all have as well. And then figuring out what's that appropriate cadence to get back with them. You can't leave it out hanging like that. And I agree, you have to get that feedback because once they can absorb and understand it and truly understand it, hopefully then they're equipped to ask for the appropriate type of help. So I always want to find out what can I do. And usually when you ask that in the moment, they're like, nothing, you're doing great, which is obviously not the case because this is a a relationship and we want them to succeed and you know we're a part of that equation uh, from a leadership perspective so giving the time to breathe think be well thought out and come back and then you'll determine whether or not they're truly invested in making that change sometimes you'll get just a shutdown person saying i just disagree with you and then that's a whole different set of circumstances that you have to manage through i think understanding the severity also like are we talking about a course correction or are we talking about a fatal flaw that way you can help people from overreacting when it's not necessary love all this stuff you're doing you're terrific at this you're terrific just tweak this and gosh you'll be stellar versus this is a big issue like we need to spend some time outside just not this one conversation and we need to monitor this over time and that way you're getting the right response i feel like and it also skews to the positive. I, I find it interesting because we talk about feedback and we say, don't assume it's all negative, but we're going right to the Tammy told critical. us it's a negative word. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be positive too. I've seen times when you give the feedback and they, they don't accept or take in the positive either. Mm -hmm. Either their self-worth isn't there, their self-confidence isn't there, or it's such a hidden superpower that it just hasn't been revealed to them. So they 
they kind of dismiss it and move on. And yet you want to come back and say, you know what I said about this? You're a great presenter because you present so authentically and so naturally. And I want to see more of that. They go, well, I'm afraid of public speaking. Well, and We're so wired to improve. I don't need to improve those things. You know, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's that. where your head goes is it's like, well, okay, great. I'm glad I'm good at those things. Check, check, check. I need to improve this over here. That might not be the case. You might not ever be good at that thing. Probably as the HR person on the panel, I might offend my HR colleagues, but I think HR has over-focused and maybe with legal as well on the negative. So we go there when we hear feedback versus really leveraging someone's strengths. Why try to improve a potential weakness and we all have them if it's not really required for the role or if there's somebody else on the team that can fill that gap. That's why teams are so important because we all have some gaps and we all have some superpowers. And if you can get a team where you know you have a lot of variety and you have a lot of strengths represented, then you're good. And we don't all need to be good at everything. We can't all need to be good at everything. And I believe my, my leadership beliefs and style has always believed that we can do very little with our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We can do so much more with our strengths. Now, that's not always a case. It's not a hard and fast rule. But generally speaking, the weaknesses that I had 20 years ago are still with me in some form and fashion today. But if I play well to my strengths, it helps me soar and other people can help me with my many, many weaknesses. Why I always have big teams. I is thought there was just one. Just one? No, just that, one. the reason I have big teams is because of all my weaknesses. <laughs> I used to have people wear shirts that say on the sum total of his weaknesses. <laughs> so I want to just quickly touch on a couple other things before we wrap up this session on feedback. If someone resists feedback, how do you handle it? Someone says, you know what? I don't buy that. They might say it overtly or they might just roll their eyes or they might say nothing, but you know they just completely resist the feedback. We've all seen this happen. What do you do? I think this is where severity comes into play. If you're trying to tweak somebody, if you're giving them a, hey, I think this could go a little better if you did this, but it, but it's really not life or death, right? I don't know that it's that huge of a deal. If it's, look, this is a problem. We are, you know. You're alienating we, we, your yeah, team. Right. I mean, something like that. You got to find another way to get through to them, whether it's a 360 feedback, whether it's somebody they somebody else that they maybe, you know, maybe they trust a trusted colleague that's not you to give them the feedback. I mean, maybe that maybe it could be the relationship issue between the two of you, but you've got to continue to address it. I think resisting is sometimes a natural defensive protective mechanism. But if somebody persists in resisting, that's probably indicative of a bigger issue. And we've all had those unfortunate situations where you just, someone just absolutely didn't see it the same way that you did. And it may be that this just isn't the role for them, that they're going to be able to play to their strengths in a, in a different position. You know, I try to get underneath that and try and figure that out. Is it just that they're fearful? Is it that they don't see it the same way? Do they need other perspectives? As Drew said, there are different reasons. A lot of different reasons for that. What about the flip side? What if somebody beats themselves up unnecessarily or even wrongly? They say, you know what? I feel like I'm not doing very well in my job. I don't feel like I'm doing very well. And you're, you're doing very well. I'm impressed with this, this, and this. I just don't feel like I'm doing well. Why is that? And I've seen some people who literally just beat themselves. I, you know, they fall on the sword. Oh, I'm just, you know, and, and, and then you become like trying to cheer them on. Like, hey, 
you're amazing. You're doing great things. Have you ever seen that? Well, I mean, there are periods of time where people need to be cheered up, right? I mean, and, and that's part of our job. They need validation that they're doing their work correctly and they're performing at a high level. A lot of your top performers are going to be people that are really hard on themselves. Uh, and that's just sort of the way they're wired. So being aware of that, and, and now I'm not saying that coaching and cheering needs to occur every day for weeks on weeks. I think that's an honest conversation you need to have with them that states, all right, you need to start growing in this method because it's starting to become a distraction, right? But I think a lot of people feel that way and, and are looking for validation and and they're potentially seeking that because they're not having that consistent feedback. So they may be making those type of comments because they haven't received any type of feedback and they're really trying to elicit even the positive response, which is, you know, a, a little bit even of a deeper I think type of emotional <laughs> thing there. Uh, so that's what I typically see. So then, and then there's a conversation of, you know, why aren't we feeling like we're sinking on expectations and performance and, and it's obviously impacting your day. So how do we, I'd rather you be more productive and happy than just productive. I think you nailed it on that. I think that it generally, generally, if it says either there's something flawed with that person's self-worth that you need to really look at, or it's indicative of you as a manager not providing that consistent feedback so they know where they stand. I think that is uh, right on the money. Last question, blaming. So you're in a feedback session, you're giving some feedback, and the person is immediately blaming. It's blaming another department. It's blaming another team member. It's blaming circumstance. It's blaming the economy. Blaming happens, right? It's a natural defense mechanism to just, well, it's not my fault. It's fill in the blank. How do you deal with that as a leader when you hear somebody doing that and you know that it's counterproductive? You know that it's either defensive, it just doesn't feel right. And the blame is essentially shifting it away from them from personal accountability. And you want them to own it so that the results improve so that they can reveal their superpower so that you see the person that you hired and that you know they can be. How do you get that conversation off of the blame and back on to the performance? I think what Bart said earlier about do you know the specifics of what's going on? Do you know Do you know the project? Do you know the, the way the team is working? Do you know the relationships? Do you really know the issue? I think helps you kind of combat that because, you know, feedback can be due to other teams and things like that. But that, that way you're able on the spot, as soon as they say it, to say, well, no, in this meeting, I, I literally myself saw this behavior. And that way you can just address it head on with specifics. Yeah, preparation. I think all of us know when we're going to have some of that pushback because you're preparing for the feedback and you're really looking at what are going to be Sorry to use the word. We're going to be the excuses that are going to be thrown back at me almost immediately that I need to address and bring the conversation back to that individual. And you almost role play those in your head and you go and do your research and make sure and and you do acknowledge. And in many cases, they are impacted by performance of other people, other teams, and it certainly needs to be understood and acknowledged, but it doesn't address the core issue that we're trying to talk about here. You know, whether it's how you react to that or, you know, that is fine. I understand that. But you also didn't do your part. So preparation, I think, is key for those type of conversations, which is why we spend probably more time preparing for those 
then even the actual session occurs so that we can be on the spot and versus, oh, well, I better go talk to that manager. And then you go back and find out that that was not really the case. And then now it becomes a very disjointed process. Selling. I always walk away thinking, did they sell me or did I sell them? I think it's important. Spoken like a true salesperson. <laughs> well, we all want to aim higher and feedback should really matter. It makes us better. It impacts our success. It inspires us. It helps us perform better. It helps our culture. It makes us better at our jobs and better at our lives. And so we thank you for listening because this is how we aim higher. And for those of you who are still listening, we ask all of you because nearly 70% of employees in a Gallup survey said that positive feedback made them more engaged. And this panel will be much more engaged with your positive feedback, meaning if you have an opportunity, we would appreciate you leaving a 20-star, I think there's only five, but 20-star <laughs> review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this Aim Higher episode. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you aim higher. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.